Well, if we could open our Bibles tonight to the book of Philippians, chapter number 4. Philippians, chapter 4. And probably would have gotten a better message if he would have asked my wife to preach tonight. <laughs> See, uh, that, that woman can preach, I'm telling you right now. The only problem is that she never gives the invitation. So if she would just give the invitation, I would, you know, I'd get it taken care of, so... I'm just kidding, of course. <laughs> She's looking at me. I'm in trouble. So, all right, Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to look at, uh, we're just going to read one verse, a very simple verse. And if you haven't memorized a verse of Scripture lately, this would be a very good one. And you could memorize it tonight. Amen? Uh, Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to read verse number 4. Paul said, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he said, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Father, we ask that you would meet with us in the next few moments that we have together. We just pray that this message would be just exactly what you want. Lord, we want you to be pleased. We want to glorify you. Lord, we want to magnify your word, and we want to feed the sheep, and that we might make a difference in the world in which we live. And so, Lord, we're dependent upon you now tonight, and we thank you for what you're about to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> I want to preach a message tonight, uh, a very simple message in a very complicated time in which we live. Uh, I mean, these are very complicated times, aren't they? And uh, it... You know, sometimes it seems like evil is triumphing, doesn't it? And uh, just uh, so many different things going on in our world today. But I want, I, I've just simply entitled the message, Rejoice. Rejoice. And again, the Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. The book of Philippians emphasizes joy in spite of the fact that it was written by someone who at the time was in prison to, and was writing to a people who were going through some very, very deep trials themselves. And Paul is in Rome having been thrown into prison for preaching the gospel. He wasn't even in prison because of anything that he had done that was wrong. He had gone to prison for what he had done right. And... The church at Philippi had been suffering themselves, and Paul had experienced great persecution himself. And now the gathering of opposition to Christianity had come to them. And so the church in Philippi needed an emphasis on joy. Amen? Uh, lest they become morbid or dark in their situation and in their outlook. And even though Paul was in prison while writing this epistle, the epistle emphasizes joy. Seventeen times the words rejoice, rejoiced, uh, rejoicing, joy are found in the epistle. And so I want us to notice a few quick things tonight. Number one, the stress that we see that's on rejoicing. Not the stress of rejoicing, but the stress on rejoicing. Because he said rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. Twice in this verse is the word rejoice used. Paul places great emphasis on this, and so 
should we, amen? If God placed great emphasis on it, we should place great emphasis on it as well. This will cure depression. It will stop doubts. It will get rid of discouragement. It'll get rid of your poochy lip. Has anybody ever get a poochy lip? Yeah, too often. And it's very important that saints rejoice in the Lord in those times. In chapter 1 of this book, is, he's talking about rejoicing in spite of sufferings. In chapter 2, he's talking about rejoicing in lowly service. Rejoicing in chapter 3, rejoicing in spite of imperfections. And then here in chapter 4 is rejoicing instead of anxiety. Both times in this verse, that is verse 4, this word is in the imperative mode. What do you mean? Well, it means it's a command. Though Paul knew he might soon face the executioner's blade, it is clear that he himself rejoiced and he urged his brethren in Philippi to rejoice as well. Again, this is given in the imperative mode. To rejoice in the Lord is of vital importance. He's trying to point out to us. It is crucial. It is an essential thing. It's very urgent. Uh, And here it is an authoritative command from the Lord. That is to rejoice. This is not a suggestion. It's a command. It is not reflexive or without conscious thought, but it is something that we must do on purpose. Amen? It's kind of like love. Love is not a feeling. Love is, is some, it's, a, it's a commitment. It is something that we choose to do. And rejoicing should not always be a feeling. Rejoicing is something that we are to do. We are commanded to do it, to rejoice, to always rejoice, whether we happen to feel like rejoicing or not. Uh, uh, The way we feel is irrelevant. Amen? The way we feel is irrelevant, whether we happen to feel like rejoicing or not. We are commanded by God's Spirit to rejoice in the Lord, period. Amen? Well, pastor, you just don't know how I feel. Oh, get over it. God told us to rejoice. We're not spo- As Christians, we're not supposed to go by the way we feel, are we? We're supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. Well, we're not supposed to walk according to the flesh, but we're supposed to walk according to the Spirit. Amen? And so it's irrelevant how you feel. God says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. It's a command. Again, how you or I feel is irrelevant. We are commanded to rejoice always. And, well, you might say, Pastor, this virus stuff that we've just gone through. I even, I'm at the place where I hate to even talk about it. And, uh, and, and, I, and, and then just to come right after two years of that and then go right into inflation and high gas prices, right? I, I got a pickup truck, and, I, and it's, it's tough to rejoice every time you go to the, the filling station, amen? But you can rejoice in the fact that there is some gasoline to put in your truck, amen? We can always rejoice. But, and then I think of... Uh, are out of control politics in our country. It's so, it's so depressing. 
what's going on in our country, the, uh, the, the, our, our border that's being overran. We have no idea who all of these people are who are coming into our country. And they're not just coming from Mexico or, or Guatemala. Or, they're coming from all over the world. It's an open border, and I think of our out-of-control government, our out-of-control Justice Department. I mean, we could go on and on about all those things. And, and you're tempted to say, man, I, I feel so anxious right now. I'm concerned. I'm worried. But God says we're supposed to rejoice. He commands us to rejoice. And, and listen, I'm, and I'm not blind, and, and I understand the situation in our world. It's, it's looking very bleak. But you know what? I was thinking about this, and Joe Biden would be a whole lot easier for the Antichrist to handle than a Donald Trump. <laughs> right? I mean, the Lord may, this may be a sign that the Lord is coming soon. Amen? I hope that's the case. But we can rejoice. Think about Paul. Just think about him again. He was locked up in a prison when he wrote this book with someone like Nero, a crazy person who was in charge. I mean, he's, he's locked up by someone who burned down Rome and then blamed the Christians for it. And Paul knew that he had come to the very end. He knew it was about over. In fact, he even wrote his own epitaph, didn't he? I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. That would be on his tombstone. This rejoicing, this rejoicing was not just a a one-time thing with Paul. This church also knew full well another time when Paul was in prison, when he and Silas had just been beaten. They had been thrown into the inner prison. Their their feet were in the stocks. They were in chains. Their future was uncertain. And yet the Bible tells us that they prayed and they sang praises unto the Lord. Now listen, I guarantee you, singing praises, that was a choice. That was a choice that they made. We're going to pray and we're going to sing praises to God. And... You know what happened because of that? And that's why this is so important, that we rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. The reason why this is so important is do you think that if Paul and Silas were in prison grumbling and complaining and crying and boohooing and bad-mouthing the jailer and all, do you think that the jailer would have got saved? Do you think that his family would have gotten saved? Do you think that the prisoners that stayed when they could have ran, do you think they would have gotten saved? That's why it's so important for God's people, no matter what situation we're in, that we rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. We're supposed to rejoice. It's a command. This command was given in a chain of commands, by the way. If you follow the passage, you'll find he said, rejoice in the Lord, first of all. Then he said, let your moderation be known unto all men. A command. Amen. Uh, to, you know, to be pleasant and reasonable, to be fair, to be gentle in spirit, not indignant, not angry, not assertive, not pushy, not demanding, not arrogant. Let your moderation be known unto all men. Then he said, be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything. 
Don't be worried about all of these things. Pray about it, he says. And then he said, think on these things. That's another command. Paul, uh, Paul mentioned to them some things that they need to focus on. Instead of focusing on your problems, you need to focus on that which is true, that which is honest, that which is just and pure and lovely and of good report. And if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, he said, think on these things. That's a command. We're supposed to control our thinking. God expects us to do it. And then he said, do. If you look in verse number nine, it says those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do and the God of peace shall be with you. In other words, the things that you've heard from me, learned from me, received from me, seen in me, do those things. And so I think it's very plain and clear that this is a command in the scriptures, isn't it? To rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice. No matter what the circumstances are, and there are not, uh, these are not recommendations in this passage. Again, they're not recommendations These are not suggestions. These are not just good ideas. These are commands. And Paul said, and again, I say rejoice. You might say, Pastor, I don't know if I can do it. Well, man, if Paul could do what he went through, you can certainly do that. Paul, if you read there in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, if you get a chance sometime, just read through there if you've never read that. And it lists... Uh, Paul lists several things that he went through, shipwrecks and beatings and, and hunger and thirst and on and on in the care of all the churches. And listen, if Paul can go through everything that he went through, we can certainly rejoice with our light affliction. But then there's something else he shares with us, not, not just uh, uh, the stress on rejoicing, but also the stimulant of rejoicing. The stimulant. If you look there in the passage again, it says rejoice in the, what's it say? The Lord. Jesus Christ is that which inspires the joy that each and every Christian ought to have. It is not rejoice in your situation. It it does not say rejoice in your flat tire. (laughs) Right? It doesn't say rejoice in that rebellious child. Or rejoice in the broken air conditioner. But we can always rejoice in the Lord, can't we? We we can always rejoice if we're thinking of the Lord. We can always do that. This this joy is not dependent upon one situation, but on the Savior himself. Amen? We We all, if you have been born into the family of God, you can rejoice no matter what you're going through. No matter what you're going through. I'm so thankful for that. It's not dependent upon circumstances, but it's dependent upon Christ. And this means the joy is eternal and will be present regardless of your troubles, regardless of your trials, regardless of what you're going through. The Bible says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Aren't you thankful for that? In a world where everything is just constantly changing around us, he never changes. He is is good. Amen? He is gracious. And he loves us and cares about us. And he is our shepherd. Amen. And we, we, we can count on him. This means that Jesus is not like our circumstances or our situations. They change from moment to moment, but he never changes. 
I'm grateful for that. Therefore, to rejoice in the Lord is to rejoice in something that is stable, in something that is reliable. You're not stable. You're not reliable. And the, and the person sitting next to you isn't either. But he is. He is. I'm thankful. It is to rejoice in that which does not change. Therefore, if you can rejoice in the Lord today, you can rejoice in him tomorrow. If you can rejoice in him when the sun is shining, then you can rejoice in him when the clouds are thick and dark and gloomy. We can always rejoice in him. You know, there are times we, in the world of aviation, there's what is known as flying by IFR or flying by VFR. IFR means instrument flight rules, right? There are times, if you're a pilot, where you're going to have to learn how to fly that plane by the instruments, and that's it. Uh, No, 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 you can't go by your feelings. Pilots have died by flying by their feelings. You better believe those instruments and go by what those instruments say. And you know what? Sometimes the instrument says one thing, but you feel differently. I don't feel like we're going in the right direction. I feel like I'm going down. I feel like I'm upside down. I feel, right? But you better go by the instruments. Amen? When it's cloudy, when it's gloomy, when it's raining, when it's snowing, when it's whatever, we better go through, uh, we better fly by the instruments. The, 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 the VFI is visual flight rules, or VFR, uh, visual flight rule. That's, uh, and, and, you know, that's when, man, everything's just going great. I can see everything. And, but we all know those times come when we can't see. what We can't seem to understand what's going on. We can't see God's hand. You know, Job went through that. Remember that in and, and Job 23 and... Verses 8 through 10, he said, man, I looked backwards, I couldn't see. I looked forward, I couldn't see. I looked on the right hand and I couldn't see God. I looked on the left side, I couldn't see. But I know that he knows the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Even though he could not see God, he couldn't see God's hand in it all. He knew God was there. He knew God was in control. He knew God was going to take care of him, and he was going to come out better on the other end. He was, it was at that moment that Job was flying by the instruments. He was flying by God's word, not by what he could see, not by what he could feel, but it was flying by the word, by the instruments. And, you know, there's another example of that. Remember Moses? Remember all that Moses went through? And by faith, Moses chose affliction over the pleasures and the treasures of Egypt, right? I mean, that's walking by faith right there, isn't it? But he did not fear the king's command, remember? Because he could see him who was what? Invisible. He could see, Hebrews eleven twenty seven. he could see him who was invisible. And folks, when things aren't going the way you'd like them to go, you need to be able to see him who is invisible. And know that he's there, and know that he's in control. Amen? We need to walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, sometimes we have to fly by the instruments instead of what we can see, 
or what we can feel. On our journey, as I have said, the clouds are going to come sometimes, aren't they? The clouds come, the rain comes, the night comes, the fog comes. This is when we must trust the Lord Jesus Christ. This is when we must trust our God. This is when we must trust the instruments, the, the Word of God. That's when we must trust that. Paul, Paul's answer to all of life's problems is the Lord. Amen? It's the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. When rejoicing in the Lord, distressing thoughts are overcome by thoughts of the Lord and His love and His goodness and His wisdom and His power and His care for each and every one of us. The Lord is too wise. One man said, the Lord is too wise to make any mistakes, too loving to be unkind, too powerful to be stopped, and too involved in all that concerns us to be aloof. How can we think of the Lord and not rejoice? How can we think of him and not rejoice? A man once said, in this sad world of sin, tears may scold our eyes, but thoughts of him beaming down like sunshine through the rain will make rainbows of our tears. David thought of the Lord, and he sang these words, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We can trust the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord when those difficult times come. You know, life can be grim, can't it? Sometimes we are called upon to bear burdens that crush us into the dust. Painful bereavements may even cause some to long for death themselves. I I just heard about a, a man who their company was going down. I think it was Bed Bath and Beyond or something like that, and one of their high-up guys jumped out a high-rise window to kill himself. I mean, just real re- recently here. Regrets and remorse may tear out our hearts and haunt us and torment us until we groan in agony of our soul. Paul's answer is always the same. Think about the Lord. Think about the Lord. And isn't that what Paul said in Hebrews chapter 12? looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our, of our faith. Listen, we're all in the race. Say, so, well, I'm not ra- You are in the race, friend. If you've been born into God's family, you are in the race. And you're supposed to keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep your eyes on Him. So important. You know, we're not to rejoice in what overwhelms us. That would be foolishness. But we are to rejoice in what undergirds us, and that's the Lord. He alone can restore the years that the locusts have eaten, can't he? You know, we all make wrong decisions, don't we? We all mess up, we make mistakes, we waste years. I'm thankful that God can restore the years that the locusts have eaten. He can bind up the brokenhearted. Aren't you thankful for that? He can make evil become a means of grace even. Did you know that? That's exactly what happened to Joseph. Remember Joseph? Uh, when, his, when he revealed himself to his brothers and his brothers, men, they were afraid that Joseph was going to get even because they thought Joseph was just like them. And Joseph instead looked at them and said, Hey, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. 
God can take an, an even evil situation and make it turn out good. He is able to subdue all things unto himself. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 21 says, We may have to limp like Jacob all the days of our life. Remember when Jacob wrestled with the Lord, God touched his thigh and made him limp. Sometimes when we wrestle with the Lord, God has to humble us, doesn't he? God has to get our attention. And we may have to limp like Jacob to the end of our days on this earth. We may be broken by God because of our past, but in eternity, a wise and loving Lord will give us back what we so recklessly threw away. The Bible says, rejoice in the Lord. Your name is written in heaven. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Your name is written. In, if, if we didn't have anything else to think about, we can rejoice about that, can't we? And so we see the stress on rejoicing. The stimulant of rejoicing is the Lord. And then we see the season, the season of rejoicing. What's it say there again? Rejoice in the Lord always. See, you're memorizing that verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Always. That's the season. When should I rejoice, preacher? Always. Right now. We can and should rejoice at all times. And we're told to rejoice at all times. God's people ought to be the happiest people in the world, shouldn't we? We ought to be the happiest people in the world. You know, if we've been born into God's family, we have heaven to look forward to. We have a wonderful shepherd who wants to take care of us. We should be the happiest people in the world. We can rejoice any time for our joy is in the Lord. And if we do not rejoice always, we will end up being a very morbid person in this world. We really will. I think about what Jesus said of John the Baptist. He said that John the Baptist was a burning and shining light. You can't be that without rejoicing. You can't. This world has artificial joy, doesn't it? It produces artificial joy all the time, all around us, which is established upon many times circumstances, isn't it? Circumstances change, but there is never a time when we cannot rejoice in the Lord. We can always rejoice in the Lord. The all way of Christian joy is steady, uniform, and continued emotion. Not a flash, flood of emotion. Uh, those Christians that are up one day and down the other day are not real closely connected to the Lord because our Lord is not up one, one day and down the next day. Amen? And so, you might ask, well, how can we continually rejoice while we continue in the midst of sin in this wicked world that we're living in? Well, there's a few things. I think, you know, in the passage, if you follow on with the passage, he tells us that we're not to worry. He tells us we're to pray, we're to give thanks. And he tells us that we're to think on certain things, aren't we? I think we can think also of the change that divine grace has wrought in our lives. I mean, when you're tempted to be down, right? When you're tempted, when you are tempted to be discouraged, 
we can just think about what God's done for us, can't we? I am, uh, I'm, I'm thankful. I remember when I was on my road to hell. I'm so thankful when God saved me and changed my life. He changed my life. And, I, and, and I'll be honest with you, um, I didn't totally understand what was going on. I really didn't. I did not understand everything was going on. It was the work of the Holy Spirit, that work of regeneration that was changing me from the inside out. Only God can do that. Amen. But he changed my life and, and gave me purpose and gave me reason and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. Aren't you thankful for that? Man, if we can't rejoice in anything else, we can rejoice in the change that he's brought in our lives. I'm so thankful. You know, we can also think of the ample provisions of the gospel every moment that are available to us. If you, if you look there in Romans chapter 8 and verse 32, he talks about how that with him, he'll give us freely all things because of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm just thankful that I can go to my father and he, he already knows what I have need of before I even come to him. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that? Uh, I, I am so, and I could tell you all kinds of things that God has done, but but we can also think of the bright prospects before us that our present distresses cannot dim. Think about that. What do you mean our bright prospects? Well, folks, the trumpet could happen at any time. It could sound at any moment. The rapture can happen, and the Lord will just take us right out of here. And, and we'll leave all of our bills behind. Aren't you thankful for that? That's, that's a good reason to rejoice. We'll leave all of that stuff. We'll leave that boss behind, that crank it. Well, uh, hopefully he gets saved. But we're going to leave all of that stuff that troubles us down here. We're going to leave it all behind. Amen? Isn't that wonderful to think about? We're going to leave it all behind. That healthy, or that, that healthy body you used to have that's not so healthy anymore, that's giving you trouble. You're going to get a brand new body. That's exciting. We can rejoice in that. But, you know, but I'm also thinking about, the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 20 that there's coming a time when an angel is going to come down from heaven with a key and a chain. This is exciting. An old smutty face, that guy that's been giving you all this trouble for all these years. The Bible says that old angel is going to grab a hold of that, the, the devil. And just in case you don't know who it is, he told us the devil, the dragon, Satan. You know, gave him four names just so we know who he's talking about. With this one angel is going to grab him and, and tie him up in this chain and throw him into the bottomless pit and put the lid on it and lock it, and then the Bible says that God is going to seal that thing where the devil cannot deceive us anymore for a thousand years. That's exciting. That's our wonderful prospects. The Bible says that we'll rule and reign with Jesus for a thousand years. Isn't that exciting? I'm thinking about uh, the time when, when Jesus comes back and he's on a white horse, and the Bible says that the armies of heaven are going to follow him. In Revelation 19 and verse 14, the armies of heaven are going to follow us, uh, or follow him. Do you know who that is? 
That's us. We're going to be riding white horses too. Isn't that exciting? The good people, the good guy always rides the white horse, right? We're going to ride that white horse with him. And then it says the armies of heaven. There's going to be the angelic host is going to be riding with us. They're going to be coming with us. Can you imagine that? See, see, is that what the Bible says? Yeah, that's what the Bible says. It's true and it's real. It's literal. It's going to happen. That's exciting. We should rejoice. We can rejoice. We ought to think about the infinite ability to accomplish all that he has promised us. There's not anything that he's promised us us that he cannot do. I'm so thankful. And we should should think about his wonderful salvation, his supply, his grace, his victory over death, and all things work together for good to them that love God. And we should think about his presence, his help, his cleansing power. Aren't you thankful for 1 John 1 and verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm glad that we can, we, can, we can go to the Lord and have our sins forgiven and have that fellowship restored. Aren't you thankful for that? I'm thankful for the second coming. I'm thankful for heaven, answered prayer, all of these things. But why do we have such a struggle rejoicing in the Lord? Well, because... The main obstacle, I believe, is not proportioning rightly the amount of attention given to self as opposed to the attention that we give to Christ. In other words, we're always thinking about ourselves, in our situations, in our problems, in our needs, when we ought to be thinking about Him. That's what Paul was saying. Quit thinking about yourself and start thinking about Him. Think about him. And you know what? That'll change everything. We can, we can rejoice in the Lord. Amen? Let's all stand. Our heads bowed just for a moment. I'd like to, I'd like to pray with you before a pastor comes. And Father, we ask, Lord, uh, that you would just meet with us now in the next few moments. Perhaps, maybe... There's some folks that have been going through some trying things, some difficult things. and Lord, you know. And Father, we pray that you would comfort their hearts tonight, that you'd help them to look to you and rejoice in you, even regardless of how they might feel. And, uh, and you know, when I believe when we will, are willing to rejoice in you, it will be because it's a command, because it's what we should do, that it will bring real, true rejoicing. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to walk by faith and trust you, look to you and think on you when we're tempted to be focused on ourselves and our problems and our circumstances. Help us to think of you. We just pray that you'd minister to our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor. Pastor.